Welcome to Disrupting Japan, straight talk from Japan's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for joining me. Today we're going to be talking about the Octo Chef. What the hell is the Octo Chef, you might ask? And that would be a good and quite reasonable question. The Octo Chef was created by Connected Robotics, and it's a robot that makes takoyaki. And we're going to sit down with founder Tez Sawanobori and talk about why it's important. Now, it's important to understand that the Octo Chef is not just some crazy side project of Tez and the team, although it, I guess it was the very first time I met them. But no, now the Octo Chef is being used in both small scale, single restaurant installations and industrial scale factory installations. Tez and I talk in detail about how Japanese react to robotics and work with robots very differently than Westerners do. We also sit down and eat some pretty good robot cooked takoyaki and take a hard look at the question of whether the Octo Chef is just a novelty or a fad, or if, on the other hand, it's solving a real problem. The answer turns out to be yes, but the reason why is pretty surprising. But you know, Tez tells that story much better than I can. So let's get right to the interview. So I'm sitting here with Tez Sawanobori from Connected Robotics, the maker of the Octo Chef. So thanks for sitting down with me. Yeah, thank you for having me this great show. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>、um, what is the Octo Chef? Octochef cooks takoyaki. Takoyaki is an、um, octopus ball, popular in Japanese festivals. You see a lot of、uh, takoyaki stores. Yeah, the round little, and they're, they're awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's a、food. popular Japanese fast food. And our robot cooks takoyaki. And it's from pouring oil to、uh, serving to the dish, all the process robots do. Okay. So, in, in the process, the humans still have to create the batter? Yes. And I guess deliver the cooked takoyaki to the customer?、Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The robot handles everything else. Yeah. And you actually launched the first commercial use of this in Nagasaki yeah, yeah. a while ago. So, how's been the reaction of the, the customers to the robot takoyaki chef? Customers、uh, look very pleased to eat takoyaki. Uh, cooked by robots, and this is a special occasion for them. And especially the Nagasaki, it's a theme park called House Tembos.、Mm-hmm. So they enjoy looking at robots working. Okay. You know, I, I want to talk about like, the, the business model in detail in a, in a few minutes. But before that, let's, let's back up a bit and talk about you. Okay. <laughs> so, You founded Connected Robotics in 2014, but before that, you started、mm-hmm. a restaurant right out、yeah. of college, right? Yeah, right. I studied robotics and computer science in、uh, University of Tokyo, and later、uh, I went to Kyoto University and、uh, researched computer science. But when I graduated, I wanted to start my own business. Of course, I tried、uh, some web services, but 
I didn't get satisfied with this kind of IT. Really? So first thing I wanted to do was making a cool restaurant. That's, it's, it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what kind of restaurant was it? Oh, at first,、uh, I really like jazz music, so I wanted to make a,、uh, like、a jazz club. But at the same time, I want to make some family friendly restaurant with good music.、Uh, I really want a family and small children to come to our restaurant and enjoy our food and atmosphere. And... So, what happened to the restaurant? Oh, actually, I didn't have much money. Obviously, because it's a first. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just yeah, started working、uh, after grad school. So I planned several restaurants and brought my idea to many presidents of、uh, restaurant chains. And one of them was very interested in me and the plans. So I belonged to this company and set up several restaurants, including Italian, American. Japanese food restaurants. Oh, wow.、Yeah. Why did you decide to leave the restaurant business?、Uh, until then, I had several experiences in restaurants.、Uh, like during summertime, I worked in Izakaya, and my grandparents owned the restaurant. And I thought I know a lot of restaurants, but actually, I worked in the restaurant and found that,、uh, well, all the work.、Uh, Very hard,、yeah. very long. It's hard, hard work. Yeah, yeah. So I found myself working like 100 hours per week. Oh, wow. And exhausted. So I wanted to come back to the technology side. I belong to a robotics club in University of Tokyo and won a competition called Robocon for the first time for the university. How many years were you working with the restaurants? Oh,、uh, just one year. Oh, just one exactly year? Exactly one year. Okay. Yes. Yes. And so during that time, you were still active and interested in robotics? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes, for sure. So, did the idea for food robots come to you while you were working at the restaurant and that's why you quit, or you just had to get out of the restaurant? Oh, yes. Yes. Many people, while I was working in the restaurants, recommended me to. Start this kind of business robot restaurant. Yeah. But at that time, I thought it was too difficult to deploy robots in restaurants because all the operations are so complicated. It's really、uh, difficult. Yeah, yeah. It's in- yeah. It, cooking is an incredibly complicated process,、yeah. and kitchens are tiny. Yeah, usually tasks are not so organized. And、uh, yeah, so I couldn't find any good work for robots. Just I felt overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> But you, you, you gave it a try anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, actually, I saw you guys at、uh, Maker Faire、uh-huh. a couple、really? years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it, it's, it was the same, I mean, it's gotten a lot better since then.、Uh-huh. But it was the same takoyaki making yeah, machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At that time, we showed our first prototype. Maker's Fair is actually it's, it's a really fun place to go. There's so much creativity yeah, in, yeah. in robotics and automation in Japan right now. 
Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, everybody is trying, challenging uh, something new. Some of them looks very strange, but still, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of strange, crazy <laughs> stuff. But but you know, to be fair, when I when I first saw you guys there, I was thinking, okay, taco gaki making robot. That that's kind of strange. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, made a business of it. Yeah, at first, uh, my co- my ex colleagues always told me that it's really strange and uh, you shouldn't do that and it's crazy and something like that. Yeah, uh, and I'm st- I'm sure you still hear that occasionally. But let's let's talk about the business model. So, mm-hmm. what is the revenue model? Are you selling robots or selling services or selling takoyaki? Okay, basically, we don't make robot itself. We integrate this robot and make it as a package and sell this to our customers. That is our restaurants. Firstly, we sell this package, but from second time. We'll lend this robot and charge monthly. Okay, and what is what is the Octochef cost monthly? Two hundred to fifty thousand yen per month. Okay, so two thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, roughly. Okay, I know the Octochef makes takoyaki, but yeah. does it do the work of like a full-time staff? Two thousand dollars a month is. Not much compared to what you'd have to pay mm. employees and things mm. to do the same work. But yeah. how much work does it actually do? Actually, takoyaki requires high skill. And takoyaki restaurants usually train their employees. And it costs a lot. It takes time and costs a lot. With our robots, they can uh, save this training and hiring process. For the restaurants that are yeah. buying this, is the motivation... Saving money, or is the motivation the novelty, the the kind of the cool factor of yeah, people yeah. watching a robot make mm-hmm, takoyaki? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. At the first, their first purpose is uh, get novelty and show like show off uh, this robot. Uh, but actually, restaurants wants to have more reliable labor. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, Japan really is in a, a bit of a labor crisis right now there's yeah. you know it's hard to fill up positions mm-hmm. yeah okay so if the restaurants are paying connected robotics two two thousand dollars a month for mm-hmm. an octo chef yeah how much money are they saving in labor costs first release octo chef in nagasaki the uh, restaurant is run by one operator usually they have to hire like three or or even uh, more than five people for this takoyaki. And so uh, they can just put this position, one person. Yeah, they can save one or two other employees. Okay, so that's that's a very strong proposition then. Yeah. It, it's not yeah. just the novelty of having the robot. Mm-hmm. It actually makes sense. Right. Um, do you think we're going to be seeing more robot chefs? Because, you know, you mentioned that like we were talking before, cooking is incredibly complex. Yeah. And takoyaki is, I mean, it's, it requires skill, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a pretty well-defined mm-hmm. set of motions, right? Yes. Yeah. So do you think we're going to be seeing more and more robot chefs for other kinds of food? Yeah, uh, I think it's a matter of time, but it takes a long time, depending on how difficult the uh, cooking or skill is. Of course, uh, cutting sashimi, it's very difficult. 
Yeah. But we highly focus on specialty restaurants like takoyaki, yakitori, or something like that, like okonomiyaki. In Japan, we have a lot of family restaurants、uh, which serve kinds of various cuisine, but we, we focus on a single cuisine like takoyaki. Right, right.、Yeah. I mean, automation is taking over everything, and that's good.、Yeah. But food somehow seems. Different. I mean,、mm-hmm. like, sure, sure, industrial food preparation is completely automated.、Mm. But, but somehow, restaurants, it, it's just something very human about making food. And, and I don't know, I kind of like watching the, you know, the chef flip the, the takoyaki or, or fan,、yeah. the, the fan over the yakitori,、mm-hmm. even if it doesn't necessarily make it taste any better.、It's, do you know what I mean? It's like part of that experience.、Mm. Uh, that's a cultural issue. And I heard that in the United States, people feel safer that they found sushi robot in sushi restaurants. Really? <laughs> yeah, I, I heard so. Okay. But in Japan, if customers find this sushi robot, they think this is a cheap one and、uh, it's not reliable and won't taste good. So、uh, this is a ca- cultural gap. Oh. Yeah, of course, it's, it's very important how they feel about taste. Of course, every sense、uh, affects、uh, taste, and、uh, so we really care about that. Yeah. Yes. By the way,、uh, we don't say、uh, this is automated cooking or something like that. We always insist that this, this robot helps workers so that the workers can get more creativity, easier working place. So, as we see more and more of these, these cooking robots, do you think they're going to be out in front of the customers as novelties or sort of hidden in the kitchen so that、mm-hmm. just operating behind the scenes? Actually, we have three products. And one is like takoyaki, ice cream, and yakitori, and cheesecake, something like that. This is for front end robots. Right. Yeah, robots in front of the customers and cook. Just in front of the customers. This is one thing. And the second one is dishwasher. These robots are put inside the kitchen and customers cannot look at these robots working. And the third one is especially for convenience store and、uh, cooking in the counter space.、Uh, honestly, I'm, I'm not sure which one is <laughs> better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Uh, we are sure that people somehow、um, want this novelty, of course, at first. But for restaurant owners, they want both novelty and、uh, making kitchen、uh, less trouble and complexity. Do you think that these kind of robots, not, not just connected robotics robots, but、mm. these kind of robots, do you think will actually contribute to kind of solving the, the labor shortage in Japan? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, because now it's been two years since we started this cooking robot project. And we already have got many requests from all over Japan and from all top 10 restaurant chains in Japan. So、uh, they really need this、uh, robotic system. So I'm sure it will solve the labor shortage in Japan. Yeah, it, it is fascinating because everyone always talks about the, the shrinking population as pushing down 
uh, GNP, which it yeah. does. Yes. But the other side of that is increasing productivity by using mm -hmm. things like robots. And, mm -hmm. um, so what are, what are the barriers? What's preventing robots like Octochef and similar robotics from mm -hmm. being even more widespread in Japan? One is organized operations in the kitchen or even as a whole restaurant. Uh, usually, restaurant tasks are really uh, complex, and especially in Japan, one worker has a lot of tasks. Maybe in the United States, I think they put uh, a person to a position, and this person has distinctive, obvious tasks. But in Japan, it's uh, more ambiguous, and people have to do like everything yeah even whole staff have to work in kitchen kitchen staff have to go out and serve dishes to customers on sure. the table especially at smaller restaurants yeah right? yeah 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 so uh first thing to do is to organize these tasks yeah and second thing is of course cost effectiveness and efficiency so we talked a bit about how the customers were reacting to the to the mm. robots yeah. What's been the reaction of like the, the staff, the other workers? Uh, that's the first thing we really care about because we want to lessen their labor. Uh, actually, we always watching <laughs> how they behave with the robot. We are really busy for taking care of staff to cooperate with the robot because for them, they are not a technicians. It's really a funny thing is working uh, beside him. First month or first few months, we uh, like every day we take care of the staff. So it's a lot of you training? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Train, not just training, but watching from video and giving advice and everything, like everything. But overall, the staff's really willing to and interested in working with, with Octochef? Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 obviously. Because that, that's... This is one of these things that's so different in the U.S. and Japan. Yeah. So uh, I think it was last year, uh, the Flippy robot. Mm -hmm. That so Flippy, it was being, it was scheduled to be rolled out in like 52 Cali Burger mm -hmm. restaurants, and they ran one shop for one day uh -huh. and shut it down uh -huh. because the staff just yeah. mutinied. They rebelled. They didn't want to work with the robot. Uh huh. And Japanese staff seem to have no problem with it. So oh, why, yeah, why, why the big difference? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. yeah, in Japan, people think robots are friends. And I think, I guess in United States, robots are just tools or it could be an enemy, <laughs> like Terminator. Yeah, I've yeah. always felt, yeah, in the U.S., robots are, are the Terminator. In Japan, it's Doraemon. Yeah, 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 yeah. In Japan, yeah, like Doraemon, Atomic Boy. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they are friends. But in the States, it's a potential enemy or potentially dangerous existence. So I think in the United States, people think uh, this robot will take away my job. But in Japan, uh, this robot is helping me, so this is my friend. That is interesting. And you see that, that attitude towards automation across all industries in Japan and yeah. the U.S. It's just such a different approach. Actually, Connector Robotics, you have a really international staff. Mm -hmm. your, your team is really international. Yeah, yeah. 
and Japan kind of has this reputation of being really strong on the robotics hardware side and mm. overseas engineers kind of have the reputation of being really strong on the software side. Mm. Is, is that kind of how it, it's worked out for your team? Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, actually I put an advert to hire foreign engineers and I got more than 200 applications from all over the world. I actually hired two guys from Europe and they said that in Europe they don't have uh, such place to use their knowledge uh, learning university, I mean uh, robotics knowledge. So uh, they want to make full use of robotics but they don't have suitable company in their country. So they look for robotics companies in Japan. So I think there lies great opportunity for Japanese robotics company to hire foreign roboticists. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting that Japan for 30 years, you know, Japan was leading the world in yeah. robotics. Mm -hmm. And over the last 10 or 15 years, we've seen a lot of uh, American companies and Chinese companies really running out and, and taking the lead now that software is so much more important. Mm -hmm. But it, it seems like just in the last four or five years, Japan is putting a lot of effort into catching up. There's a lot of really interesting robotics innovation going on now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. But Japanese robotics engineers are more interested in hardware. Uh, that means creating their own robots. Uh, whereas engineers in the United States or in the US like to implement software AI program so uh, it's a good comparison Japanese robot engineers really interested in making robots and while uh, foreign uh, robot engineers really want to implement AI into robots yeah so the old the old kind of stereotype still is true <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, listen, Tez, before we wrap up, I want to ask you what I call my magic wand question. Mm -hmm. And that is, if I gave you a magic wand mm -hmm. and I told you that you could change one thing about Japan, mm -hmm. anything at all, the education system, the legal system, the way people think about risk, anything at all to make it better for startups and innovation in Japan, mm -hmm. what would you change? Mm -hmm. That's really interesting question. Uh, with this magic wand, I want to make a city where uh, people from all over the world can freely come and live and diverse cultures. Because to make a new culture, we have to mix many elements, many types of people, and let them do whatever they like. Really. The idea would be just to get more foreigners bringing different opinions and different ways of thinking. That's, yeah. That is interesting because one of the things I've noticed is a lot of regional innovation centers in Japan mm -hmm. are, are trying to get uh, foreign entrepreneurs and foreign mm -hmm. students, yeah. um, not just Japanese. Yeah. At the same time, I really want to conserve Japanese pure culture, so I want both.
like uh, we 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 have Tokyo, but at the same time we have Kyoto. Uh, I live in Tokyo and Kyoto, and there are very different atmosphere,、mm. culture, and both experience are really important for me. So, in my opinion, I think Tokyo should get more diversity. But within your own company, for example, has that diversity been really beneficial? Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I've noticed, in, so it, connected robotics and and a lot of Japanese. Uh, startups have like mixed teams,、uh, both Japanese and foreign members. Yes, but it's interesting you mentioned about the importance of tradition because most of the time, I mean, almost all of the startups in Japan are trying to develop a very kind of Westernized startup culture,、yeah. not a traditional Japanese business culture at、mm-hmm. all. Yeah. So how do you take that that Foreign influence and foreign creativity and、mm. different ways of seeing things and different ways of thinking, but also, you know, protect that tradition that you mentioned.、Mm. Yeah, yeah. In my company, we have Japanese engineers and foreign engineers, and I'm really interested in looking at how they work. Japanese engineer try to do everything and. Foreign engineers、uh, try to focus what he or she is supposed to do. This is a different style of working, but、uh, both are important. And、uh, with this combination, we can solve any problem. Yeah, and it seems to be happening. The, the government's made、uh, visa laws much much looser. It's much easier to get a visa to come and live in Japan. Yeah,、um, I mean. Before, as a startup, you couldn't even sponsor a visa. <laughs> yeah. Now it's really simple. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So、uh, governments are inviting、uh, high-skilled talents from all over the world, but I think at the same time they should accept more various types of people, not just、uh, variating their skill. Like. Yeah. So what? What other kind of? People or what other kind of views do you think that that Japan should be bringing in? They they should、uh, think about more about diversity. So not just、uh, one skill or one specialty. I think we should accept many types of people. Well, hopefully we'll see that happen because Japan is it's becoming a very welcoming country to foreigners.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think one one thing that in Japanese restaurant. Foods are so cheap. <laughs> I think it's one of the big reasons. <laughs> yeah, but it's becoming、uh, more and more difficult for restaurants to keep this price. Well, and and in convenience stores now, a lot of the employees are foreign. Yeah, 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 yeah. and tasks are so complex. One worker have to align items and、uh, manage items and do cashier. And cook fried chickens and <laughs> everything. Well, listen, Tez. Thanks for sitting down with me. I、yeah. really appreciate it. Thank you very much. And we're back. Cooking is a uniquely human activity, and and not just for the reasons that Tez and I talked about, but I'll get back to those in just a minute. I mean, cooking is something that, in general. Is exceptionally difficult for artificial intelligence to do. Take, for example, slicing a tomato. 
it's not particularly hard for us, and a child can do it as soon as they're old enough to be trusted with a knife. But for a computer, slicing a tomato is hard. No two tomatoes are exactly the same shape or size, and the way you cut around the stem is different for each one. Some of the tomatoes will be bruised or damaged, and you'll need to cut around those defects. Now, you and I, and even our knife-wielding toddler, can do this without much conscious thought at all. Now, we can debate whether this actually demonstrates that AI is particularly bad at these kinds of loose generalization tasks, or whether it demonstrates that we humans are particularly good at them. I, I've heard arguments on both sides, but I don't think it really matters. The end result is that AI is just starting to make inroads into cooking. And where it is making those inroads is quite telling. You see, unlike our tomatoes, takoyaki is very standardized. The size, shape, texture, the way of heating is, is very much the same from one little ball to the next. In a similar vein, after the interview, Tez was showing me around another kind of robot that Connected Robotics is making. This one serves soft-serve ice cream, a fairly standardized, or at least standardizable, process. But AI will get better with time. I have no doubt that it will eventually learn to competently handle a tomato. But the bigger issue I see here and, and it's one that Tez and I disagree about. I, I think there's something special, and again uniquely human, about cooking and eating a meal. It's a shared experience with not only the people you eat with, but with the people who prepare it for you. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is a generational difference between me and Tez. Or maybe it's a cultural difference between Japan and America. We'll, we'll all find out in the coming years. But to me, a shared meal is not just about the people you eat with. Part of the experience, part of the value, part of the connection we feel to our food is the people who prepare the meal for us. It's something that is deeply human. It's something primal. If you want to talk more about robot chefs and the future of the human experience that is the shared meal, Tez and I would love to talk with you. So come by disruptingjapan.com slash show 149 and let's talk. If you leave a comment, I guarantee that Tez or I, or maybe even both of us, will respond. And hey, as most of you listeners know, Disrupting Japan is completely free. We don't do crowdfunding and we don't have a Patreon site or anything like that. I do it simply because I love making the show. And a lot of fans love the show and they've asked me how they can help support it. And I appreciate that. I mean, I love that. And if you want to support the show, the absolute best thing you can do is to tell people about it. Maybe share a post on social media or just tell a friend about disrupting Japan in a plain old-fashioned conversation sometime. In our world of clickbait headlines and fake-it-till-you-make-it founders, 
you'd be amazed at how powerful an honest recommendation can be. But most of all, thanks for listening. And thank you for letting people interested in Japanese startups know about the show. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for listening to Disrupting Japan.